of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fail. Fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Let me pray. Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that we can still uh, hear your word preached even though we're in lockdown. Father, we pray now that we're able to focus on your word uh, for 20 minutes or so. And we pray that you work in our hearts by your Holy Spirit to help us apply your word, uh, that we might obey you and be of benefit to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I absolutely love the Olympics. I'm enjoying uh, this green and gold day. I could literally sit on the couch uh, for two and a half weeks and just watch all of it. Uh, I think that'd be a little irresponsible to my family and church, so I'm not. But if I could, I absolutely would. And if you're doing that, well, good luck to you. Uh, I love watching people who've been blessed by God with incredible ability and talent doing what they do best, whether it be swimming or gymnastics or athletics, and now even surfing and skateboarding, uh, which my son Ray has been enjoying. I particularly love the so-called Olympic spirit. Uh, somehow the Olympics brings out the moral best in many people. Some of you uh, at night church were in nappies during the Sydney Olympics in 2000, but I was there, uh, not in nappies. Uh, at the, <laughs> I was a grown man. I went and attended a few events, and it was fantastic. And I can tell you that people in public, in general, from all different countries, were happy and kind to each other just because it was the Olympics. Uh, it was terrific. It felt safe. It felt fun to be out in, com in the community and public transport and all that kind of thing. Everyone had the Olympics in common, therefore everyone kind of had this thing in common, they just loved one another unconditionally. There are many athletes that I've admired these Olympic Games, but one stands out in particular that I want to talk about, and that's Jessica Fox. Uh, I've also picked her because she illustrates the point I want to make beautifully. Jessica Fox is the current world number one in women's kayak slalom and now also canoe slalom. And if you've watched any of it, it's crazy. These people are amazing. Uh, the photo on the screen is her, of her winning gold in the canoe slalom just the other day. It was just amazing, and as you can see, she was elated. Now, apart from being epic at handling a kayak and canoe in whitewater, you might not know that Jess Fox is well known for being incredibly encouraging and generous to the rest of her team. 
and quite an inspiration to young female athletes. Instead of training and focusing on her upcoming events, Jess could often be found poolside, uh, cheering on other members from her team and encouraging them. And at the ripe old age of 27, 15 years my junior, it was just incredible how many times the commentators mentioned that Jess was the hero of other younger competitors at the age of only 27. I love to see and hear about Aussie sports stars using their incredible blessings that have been bestowed upon them by God for the good of others. There are many examples of this uh, at these Olympics, and Jess is certainly one of them. It's always great to see people in general using their strengths for the building up of others. And this certainly ought to be true of us whose trust is in Christ and whose blessings are immense and eternal. Paul has already laid out for us the indescribable riches that are ours whose trust is in Christ in the book of Romans and most clearly in chapter 8 from verse 31. It's on the screen. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. None of us are Olympians, though one of us may well be one day soon. Go hard in that triathlon. But look at the riches and blessings and strength and victory that we have in Jesus, friends. The question is, how will we use the blessings and strength that we've been given in Jesus for the good of others? And much of the answer to that question is found here in chapter 14. Because we've been so blessed, we ought to use our blessings in Christ for the building up of others. That is our absolute number one priority as followers of Jesus and members of his church. The context for our teaching from God's word today is first century Rome. Much of the church is made up of Gentile Christians by now, as well as Jewish Christians as well. And Paul is encouraging them all, in this case the Gentiles in particular, not to be judgmental of one another with regards to what they eat and drink. Let me read it again for you. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, nothing's unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. There's actually a play on words there in verse 13 that's been lost in translation from the Greek to the English. You don't lose any of the meaning in translation, but you do often lose a bit of humour or poetry. Stop passing judgment and make up your mind are almost the same word in the original language. So he's in effect saying, stop passing judgment, instead make a judgment not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. The Jewish Christians had come out of a culture where many foods were forbidden, certainly any pork products. Some Jewish cultures were vegetarian. Paul is clear, nothing is unclean in itself. He says that so much. It's not what goes into you that makes you unclean, it's what comes out from your heart. 
We're free to eat any food that we like, spiritually speaking. Fruit, veggies, meat, dairy, all good, says the Bible. For the Gentiles, eating pork was a delicacy, bacon a delight. Some things never change. But Paul is saying to the Gentiles, if your brother or sister is going to be distressed by what you eat, then prioritise them over your stomach and what you like to taste. If you have Jewish friends over for dinner, cook something else. Simple. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. And by destroy, he's not referring to destroying their salvation. That comes from Christ. They can't destroy that. He's saying that it is possible to massively erode one another's faith by exercising freedoms that compromise another's conscience. At the same time, Paul is concerned for the faith of the Gentile. Verse 16, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. He's concerned also for the Gentiles that if they're seen by the Jews to be eating meat, the Jews might judge them and lead them to believe that what they're doing is sinful when it's not. Do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the main game. God's governance of his kingdom, his people on their way to eternal bliss with him in heaven forever is not a matter of eating or drinking primarily. They matter, but they're absolutely secondary to the enjoyment of the gift of righteousness. And more than that, enjoying this righteousness in fellowship with other believers, spurring them on, encouraging them, edifying them to love and good deeds, inspiring joy in others as we remind one another of Christ's love, of heaven assured. At times, this will mean that the Gentile believer will gladly forego meat, a rare luxury that it was back then, for the sake of a Jewish brother or sister. And Paul rounds out the section with encouraging words in verse 18. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Notice that serving Christ is achieved by serving the fellow believer. Christian service is not <coughs> excuse me. Christian service is not vague and impersonal. It's focused and relational. It's down to earth. Worship of God is primarily achieved horizontally, not vertically. We achieve vertical worship of God by loving those who we've been called to love, in this case, our fellow believers. In serving Christ, Paul was primarily concerned with the spiritual welfare of the fellow believer. Friends, in our life, in our times, has there ever been a more pressing time to put aside judgmentalism and instead judge who is struggling in your church and see what you can do to encourage them in their faith. Let us put aside our judgments of one another's godliness or church committedness or materialistness or parenting techniques. Let's put away our judgmentalism of one another and pool our strength given by the Holy Spirit in a bid to support and encourage one another. I don't know about you, but I'm finding this lockdown hard. Somehow it feels harder than the last one, which lasted five times longer or something. It was 20 weeks. I need encouragement. And I know you do too. But I don't have the energy to encourage others, to be honest. I feel tired and I feel flat. But look at Romans 5, verse 5. 
God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Poured into our hearts in abundance. Remember, don't look to yourself for love to give. If you're like me, you're a bit worn out and haven't got a whole lot left. Look to God. Look to prayer. Look to God's word, the infinite source of God's love. Now, secondly, verses 19 to 21. Verse 19 really is the central verse for the section. And not a bad verse to write on the vanity mirror or stick on the fridge or write on the back of your hand or something like that in your best friend's forehead. Verse 19. Uh, one of the teachers at college used to read his Bible in the morning and then write down a verse and put it in his pocket and uh, refer to it all day. This would be a good verse for that. Look again at verse 19 with me. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Every effort. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Paul's passion is to incorporate into one body both Jewish and Gentile Christians so they might coexist, unified, encouraging one another. And he can see that if their focus remained on food or observing certain rituals, tensions would quickly follow. So he's directing their focus to the risen Lord and the righteousness and the unity that flows from him. I've seen tensions arise in the church over historic church buildings, over favoured or out of favour staff members I've seen church arise. Unity is found when we all look to Jesus together and recognise that he's over all of us. Paul wants to see the Gentiles make concessions out of love for their fellow Jews. This is what leads to peace and mutual edification. Another word for edification is building up or strengthening. On the other hand, it's, it's easy, too easy to destroy and demolish the work of God for the sake of food or drinking wine or something else. Do not, for the sake of food, cause a brother or sister to stumble or pull them back from progressing in maturity in Christ. And again, Paul's at pains to remind the Gentiles that all food is clean, but it is possible to cause a brother or sister to stumble by what they eat. What about us? I don't know that we have any issues with food laws so much uh, in our culture. What about alcohol consumption? Could it be unhelpful? Here's a scenario. Could it be unhelpful for a new Christian, fresh out of a culture of binge drinking, that was me 20 years ago, to be at a Christian dinner party where a significant amount of alcohol is consumed? I would think that that would be pretty confusing for the new Christian, thinking, I thought Christians were different, but here we are drinking a whole lot of alcohol. It could actually be devastating to their faith if that person is an alcoholic. Can we forego drinking alcohol completely at times for the sake of a brother or sister? I'm very, I've got to say, I'm reluctant to try and think of every scenario that this might apply to, and it was hard to think of lots of scenarios, but I'm thankful for our church and for one another. And in our question time at the end, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your questions on other potential scenarios. I do remember a few years back that a group of guys uh, from our church, from Gladswood Hills Church, went to the movies to see Suicide Squad. Most of us Christians, a long time, some of us in the group, new Christians. Now, honestly, we should have all walked out after 10 minutes. It was horrendous from the get-go. Sadly, we didn't. 
It was not an appropriate movie for Christians to see. It was full of graphic violence. It celebrates criminals and then some. For me, I was quick to chalk up that experience, chalk that up to experience, to know in my mind, this is this is this is wrong. We should have walked out. This is I'll never watch this ever again. But what about for the new Christians in the group? How were they going that night? I think we did them no favours in helping them work out the difference between what's a Christian and not when we're watching this movie. We should carefully consider what we're watching, what we're absorbing, what we're doing with fellow brothers and sisters that it might inhibit their faith, stunt their growth and maturity as Christians. Their weaker conscience needs those with a stronger conscience to help discern right from wrong, godly from not. The big idea, friends, here is to be looking outwardly at all times, looking to others, which is hard to do in lockdown because we're going to this self-preservation mode understandably and in some ways rightly. I really feel like God's word today is encouraging us, not challenging us, not rebuking us. It can be totally understandable that you've gone into a self-preservation mode, but encouraging us to once again look out to one another. It's harder to do when you can't see people in the flesh. You need to look, you need to pick up the phone, you need to send text messages, you need to work hard to judge who's struggling, who needs your help. I heard a minister say this once and it simultaneously made me think hard and scared me half to death. He said this, our words and actions are never neutral. They either aid in moving someone towards Jesus or aid in moving them away from Jesus. With the help and power of the Holy Spirit, we must always be seeking, always be seeking the building up of one another, seeking to encourage one another in Christ, to move one another towards Christ and Christ's likeness, and judging how we might do that. My third and final point I have entitled, Living for an Audience of One, but for the Sake of Everybody Else. Living for an audience of one for the sake of everybody else. Uh, These two verses are frightfully tricky, so if you've zoned out, uh, zone back in for another four minutes. As Christians, we're ultimately answerable to one person alone. That is God. Therefore, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God, verse 22. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself or herself by what he or she approves. Again, Paul's concerned for the conscience of the Gentile, the strong one in this case. If you believe that all food is clean and good and godly to eat, that's good. And there's no need to ram this truth down your Jewish brother's throat. But similarly, don't let him ram his mistruth, that pork is unclean, down your throat either. Keep it between you and God, lest you condemn yourself. I know a Christian guy who really, really enjoys scotch. And I wonder if you're Mine's just going to judgmentalism straight away. He especially enjoys it because he has a couple of glasses once every couple of months as a treat. Uh, He doesn't drink a lot of scotch. He drinks a little bit every so often. And when he does, he really enjoys it. Now, someone might see the bottle of scotch in his cupboard and say, Christians shouldn't drink. This person's drinking scotch. That's not good. Well, my friend can know that he doesn't drink to excess. He doesn't get drunk. A glass or two doesn't lead him to ungodliness. His conscience is clear before God. He need not take on that rebuke, just like the Gentile, whose Jewish brother or sister is struggling with the meat eating. The Gentile knows for himself what he's doing is right. Verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat. 
Because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. For the Jew, to eat pork is to sin. That's the culture they've come out of. For them, they feel like they're doing the wrong thing before God. They feel in their conscience that it's wrong, and therefore they shouldn't do it. They shouldn't eat pork. If you've come from a background of binge drinking and you've decided, no, for God's sake, I'm going to abstain completely because I feel that's right, well, that's good. That's a good thing. You shouldn't drink. Nor should your friend who enjoys a scotch or two every now and then pressure you to join him, but nor should you judge him for having a couple of scotches every couple of months uh, or a glass of wine now and then with their dinner. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Ask a question if it doesn't. Friends, to wrap up, let me conclude by saying I found this a tricky passage to apply in our modern context, so I need your help. The staff team did too when we tossed it around the other day. And I'm thankful we don't do the Christian life alone. We have one another to sharpen each other. We have our growth groups uh, to nut these things out together. At the moment, it's hard to get together for growth groups, which means we don't give up. We need to try a little bit harder uh, to get to the Zoom gatherings to make that extra effort. Together, we're stronger, particularly when we're focused on building one another up. We can, in a sense, you can, in Christian community, you can relax on having to build yourself up, in a sense, if you know you've got brothers and sisters around you who are going to build you up. Together, we're less likely to stumble into sin. The big idea here is we must be slow to be judgmental of one another, quick to judge how we can love one another. I think another big area for growth maybe is in materialism. We know we are materialistic if we need to buy the thing in order to be happy. If you need the thing or you're going to be sad, well, then you're possibly worshipping the thing and made the thing a bit of an idol. If you need the thing just to do, if you want the thing just to do life to help you better serve Jesus, well, you're the master of the thing. But if I'm, with, if I'm with my brother or sister who needs to buy the thing to be happy, well, let me be slow to be judgmental and quick to judge how I can spur my brother and sister on in their faith to find true fulfilment in Jesus, not in the new phone or shirt or shoes or car or whatever it is. I wonder for you, what are some areas that you feel you can be a bit judgy of others in church? So what are some ways that you think you could be encouraging or more encouraging to others in your growth group or your church? I think it will require prayer. I know it will require prayer and God's strength. Of course, we're all pretty tired and stressed at the moment more than usual. But I also think that encouragement is contagious. As we encourage one another, we're encouraged to encourage others. So I hope and pray it will start and catch on. Let me pray for us now. Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you so much for your strength and righteousness uh, given through Christ. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who strengthens us each day, who's an infinite source uh, of strength and love as he has been poured out uh, into our hearts to overflowing. Uh, God, help us to um, not be judgmental of one another, but help us to judge how we might help one another. And God, at the moment it's hard for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is we can't see each one another in person, so we need to call or Zoom or something like that to work out how we're doing. And the second is we're tired and a bit uh, flat. So God, we ask for your energy and strength and love by the Holy Spirit to help us to first reach out to one another 
and then to encourage one another and mutually edify one another in whatever way that we can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, Gav. That's, um, that's uh, great. Thank you for opening God's Word for us so clearly. Um, thank you also to everyone who's uh, sent in questions. There's been some uh, good questions um, coming in. Please keep sending them in and uh, we'll put them to Gav now, which is always a little bit, um, little bit uh, anxiety-inducing, isn't it, Gav? But um, you're amongst friends and, um, and uh, it's, it's great for us to be able to think together, to share yeah. our thoughts and ideas. Um, so let's, uh, let's dive into it. Um, all right, here we go. It's a little bit anxiety-inducing for me too, because I've got to I've got to process these and um, on the fly. Uh, we'll start with this one, Gav. You mentioned a few times the idea of a clear conscience. Yep. As Christians, how much can we trust our own conscience when we tend toward evil in our hearts? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, again, I, my answer would be we've, we've been given, we've been blessed with one another. Um, and God's word to kind of test and approve our conscience. So I think if if you're unclear about what's good and right, uh, go back to God's word and and share it with trusted brothers and sisters in Christ, nut it out together. That's that's what I do. So we, we, we can educate our conscience <laughs> together in fellowship. Yeah, yeah. Um, whilst not turning against our conscience. That's I guess that's the, yeah. the concern, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next one, what about the judgment that is often put on other denominations. When is this okay? When is it not okay? Yeah, there's certainly um, right judgment to be on other. Ju- I don't. I don't know what's behind that question. Um, judging other denominations, I think I do. So I'll say this. Um, like I said, there's there's judgmentalism, um, which seeks to bring others down. Really. And you have to ask yourself in your heart, um, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to drag the other person down, maybe even in your, just in your own mind? Or are you looking to um, build the other one up? So there's certainly right judgments to be made uh, about what teaching is good uh, and right and biblical. And we need to be discerning uh, in what's good and right and biblical. Uh, but at the same time, I hate to see criticism certainly I hate to see slander uh, of other denominations, uh, of any other denomination. Uh, certainly be discerning about the teaching and follow what's what's right uh, by God's word. And if you think it's not right by God's word, don't follow it. Thanks, Gav. Probably similar but maybe on a more personal level, um, at what point should someone be corrected so that their erroneous feelings and opinions don't override what is true? How long do you let a fellow brother or sister persist yeah. in a wrong view of freedom? Yeah, that's a really good question too. And that's probably a, a gap in my sermon. Um, there are times when we need to correct and rebuke one another. And that's certainly in the Bible. It's in other parts of the, of the Bible, not this bit. Hence why I didn't preach it. Um, but there's certainly times when uh, in love we need to correct and rebuke uh, a brother or sister in Christ for their sinful behaviour. Um, that is sinful behaviour that is shouldn't be happening, particularly at this their stage. Um, but again, it's it's for the building up uh, of the brother or sister. It's not judgmentalism. Uh, it's encouragement, and it's looking it's looking to build that person up. 
recognizing that Jesus is over both of you, recognizing that it's by grace that we're saved. Uh, there's no room for boasting for us uh, and <laughs> being careful not to remove the splinter uh, from the brother or sister's eye when we've got potentially a plank in our own eye. We, we, there, are, there are times when, sure, we need to, to point out to a brother or sister that, that they're in sin and it's really not good. And then, and then help, offer help out of that sin. Thanks, Kev. That's really helpful. Uh, next one. Can, can you share some ideas of, of how you, we, can share God's word and love with the lost at the moment? In other words, how can we use the blessing we have to love and serve the lost and obey God during the lockdowns? I'm feeling very, uh, very guilty, ashamed, and like a coward for not obeying God's command to love and serve others using the lockdown as an excuse to take a break. When the Bible tells us and Jesus and his disciples put serving God above obeying the law, eating, healing, working on the Sabbath, only praying and bowing down to the true God, etc. So there's quite a bit in that question, and it maybe kind of taps yeah. a little bit into uh, your sermon of a couple yeah. of weeks ago in, in relation to the Yeah, the I'll, the I'll have a crack, and then you tell me if I've missed anything, Joe. Go for it. Um, Firstly, I want to encourage you, brother or sister, uh, not to be so hard on yourself um, and to remember uh, whilst we are called to share the gospel, yes, we are, and to live a godly life, yes, we absolutely are. We're human beings and we're real flesh and blood and God's in control of all and he's got it. He's, it's, it's in his capable hands, so just <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, these are challenging times. Um, so I'd encourage you not to beat yourself up. And uh, if you feel like you need forgiveness, well, ask for it and know that you have it um, from God. Uh, second thing I want to say, um, yeah, it's tough. Evangelism is hard uh, at the moment. And it's certainly been uh, on my mind and heart how we might uh, be evangelistic. I think um, we can still reach out to personal contacts that we might know. Um, we can still uh, – I know that there's some people tuning into our live stream um, who wouldn't normally because people in our church have said, oh, hey, we're in lockdown and, you know, we had that chat about Jesus six months ago and maybe you, you could tune in and and, um, and then they have. And so that can be a way uh, to reach out uh, to those whose trust isn't in Jesus yet. Um, it, it's challenging. It is hard. Um, yeah, I, I hope that's helpful. And, and again, I, I hope you're in a growth group, whoever you are, and um, you can nut it out. You can nut it out with your friends about how you might be um, more evangelistic. It's it's challenging when you when you're stuck in your home. It really is. Thanks, Kev. Uh, follow up uh, from that. If I if I call or Zoom someone and they tell me they need uh, need some help, but in order to help them, I need to break the law and leave my house. What do I do? <laughs> Oh, that's really I don't know. That's really situational. It, it Bring is me right. up and ask me, <laughs> give me the details. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. <laughs> I, mean, I think the other thing to say is, um, even in these restrictions, we 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 do have ways that we can um, care for one another grounds. compassionately. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, I've seen a lot of a uh, lot of walking outside going on in my suburb of late, um, and that is a, a indeed a, a safe and legally permissible way to. Um, to walk with one other person in a socially distant way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, where am I? Um, where am I going next? Um, just give me a second. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. In relation to the movies Christians watch and mentioning Suicide Squad, 
Isn't this also the same in relation to Harry Potter, which numerous Christians enjoy and gladly watch as families? But isn't this seen as being demonic and witchcraft um, showing darkness? Violence isn't okay, but magic is seen to be okay? Question mark. <laughs> uh, I think Harry Potter's great. <laughs> Uh, perhaps the, the I mean the, the application there is there can, it can be an area where there's there are differing yeah opinions. yeah that's right and for so. you I mean again if if um if if for you you feel like you shouldn't be watching it um don't watch it um then but that's a tricky one and and because it, it leads into well what about there's a lot of movies out there that are just I really <laughs> think. Christians, uh, should, Game of Thrones. I really think Christians should not be watching uh, Game of Thrones. And there's and there's there's other things in that category that I really th- that I really feel like Christians shouldn't be watching. And then there's I suppose there's grey areas. The point of this passage, though, uh, if for you it's a conscience issue, don't watch it. And if your brother or sister's over and it's a conscience issue for them, definitely don't chuck it on TV. Watch something else. But feel free to follow me up in person about that one uh, later. I mean, two minds about whether to throw this one to you or not, Gav. <laughs> but it's uh, it's um, this might be in the category of if, if you want to contact Gav and chat through this, um, also feel free. But here we go. In some nations around the world, recreational cannabis use is decriminalised, and in the most liberal cases, such as Portugal, all substances we in Australia consider prohibited for consumption are not criminalised. How should we apply this verse when government legalities seem to get in the way, both practically and in how a society thinks about what is abhorrent. So there's the, what does the government say? And also, how, what does our society kind of think? Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's a, as it is a longer conversation, but chapter 13, submit to governing authorities. And if it's illegal, then don't do it. Um, uh, there was a second thing I was going to say. Oh, the, um, again... The big thrust of the passage is the edification of brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so is are you doing what leads to the building up of others is the question. It's, that's the big thrust of this passage. And if that's a insufficient answer, uh, yeah, please follow me up. Thanks, Gav. That's great.